is by Ken Barton, entitled Life-Saving Knowledge 101. I would not want to be the guy that broke Art's computer just before he came up. Hi, everybody. And I look all official and stuff. It's actually been about six years since I've been official. But a uniform sometimes gets people to focus. And I think we as a nation need to focus. <coughs> actually, most of the stuff I'm going to talk about is actual life-saving knowledge 101. When I was young, we lived in Oakland, California. Explains a lot, right? Oh, he's from there. Anyway, back then the houses didn't have, or the hills didn't have a bunch of nice fancy houses in them. They just had trees and brush and whatever. And every three to five years, sometimes as long as eight, there would be a real nice fire up on those hills and everybody would stand out and watch. And, oh, wow, look. <clears throat> After a while, folks started moving up there. Population grew, money grew. And this was still way back before Ronald Reagan re-appraised everything and everybody became instant millionaires, um, on paper anyway. But they still had fires up there. And they still had fires about on the same regularity. <clears throat> the problem, and it got more attention because there were now expensive houses up there and, you know, fire department gets their money from the government and the government gets their money from the people and the people with a lot of it get our attention. But one would think that if you build a real nice house up here worth million bucks or so that you might want to take care of it you might want to maybe uh, keep everything cleaned up so it doesn't burn no because a lot of those people up there are tree huggers they love their trees they moved up there so they could be with nature and they actually passed laws up there that forbids you from cleaning up brush and stuff. I'm sorry folks, but if you leave the brush around there, sooner or later something's gonna set it off and the more of it there is, the bigger it is and the bigger it is, the more that it destroys and if your house happens to be there, anyway. <clears throat> you can educate ignorance. You can medicate illness but you can't fix stupid. <laughs> Whenever I was at the fire station, I spent 27 years as a captain at the airport fire station. Uh, well, no. Yeah, 27 as captain, golly. Anyway, we would have tours. Now, our fire station was the crash station, okay, or the aircraft rescue firefighters. But ARF didn't sound good, so then we 
we became Crash Fire Rescue. But we have big trucks. We tell the kids that came, we should, now when you go to the regular fire stations, you, I want you to say, oh, you have these cute little trucks. The truck I was first assigned to when I was out there was 50 feet long. Carried 4,000 gallons of water and 600 gallons of uh, foam concentrate. Had two complete drivetrain systems, one at the front, one on the back, Detroit diesel, fire pump, water pump, transmission, you name it. So that if one died or broke on the way, you could just reach down here, disconnect it, and keep on going. Because you don't have a lot of time with fuel fires. But I would always ask them, what's the difference between a teacher, or I'm sorry, what's the difference between ignorance and stupid? Anybody want to jump on that? It's really pretty simple. We're all born ignorant. We don't even know to start breathing until the doctor gets us excited sometimes. Okay? The reason he slaps their butt to get them crying. Everybody's ignorant. Our brains are smooth, they tell me. So we start learning things, okay? Stupid is when you know these things and you either don't follow them or you know not to do it and you do it anyway. That's pretty much stupid. You know, when your mom tells you when you're a kid, you know, don't touch that because it's hot and you reach over there and touch it and yell and she gets, well, stupid. <laughs> you know. It's better not to be, but sometimes we are. But anyway, since we're almost into the month of October, October is Fire Safety Month. <clears throat> and then there's uh, Fire Prevention Week, which you guys are all going to be in inundated anytime, whatever the week has October 9th in it. That week is Fire Prevention Week, and it came from the Great October Fire. Or uh, Chicago Fire. I'll straighten up here. Let me start reading. Anyway, that was October 8, 1871. That, that happened. <clears throat> As a firefighter, I learned that I have knowledge that people are interested in sometimes. Sometimes they just want to ask and don't do anything with it. That goes under that other category, but anyway. I have found that if I share some of that interest, uh, that information that folks are interested in, I can maybe make a difference, okay? Uh, for instance, I know that smoke detectors save lives. They will give you a little bit of time to get out, okay? And there's all kinds of different uh, things out there. Some people say it fire doubles every two minutes. Some people say every minute. Some people you know, it's longer and they've done tests on it. And it depends on what the fuel is. Okay? But you know you get a fire, you've seen fireproof buildings, right? And the concrete structure is pretty much fireproof. But the ingredients <laughs> the stuff in it you know an oven's fireproof but if you leave a, a cake in there or pie long enough, it's going to catch fire. So you know, it gives you time. However, if the battery was make, you know, if it was going beep, 
and it always does this. I don't know who designed it. It had to be somebody that didn't like people. Always does it in the middle of the night. Always. You know. Beep. Luckily, I'm deaf in this ear pretty much, so when I'm sleeping on this ear, I don't hear it. Glenda does, though, and I... What? You need to go fix that. What? <laughs> the fire alarm. Anyway. So, folks, put a battery in it. It'll save your life. Possibly. Okay? <clears throat> We're coming up on cold season. Not, not, phew, but cold. Okay, when people get cold, they want to get warm. Sometimes they do it with space heaters. I don't like space heaters. You know, they've tried and tried and tried and tried to tell people how to properly use them. And if you properly use them, they work pretty good. They'll keep an area warm. They're real inefficient, but they'll work. Don't put them any closer than three feet from something that will burn or it will burn. <clears throat> Don't get one. If you've got one that doesn't have the trip switch, if it falls over, it automatically turns off. If you don't have one of those when it falls over, it just heats up what's right under it, usually a floor. A lot of times a carpet will go back to the fire alarm going off. Some folks like to turn on the gas stove. Turn on all the burners and open up the oven door and turn it on high and sit in the chair and rest with your feet. Anybody here ever seen that? Okay. Got one on us. We had a fire captain that liked to do that, that I heard about. It wasn't one of mine, but he would do that at the station. <clears throat> but he was the captain. It's like I told the guy that I thought would have made an excellent captain. And he was happy as a, as a driver. I said, if you ever get tired of the way things are going at the station, the only way you can get that taken care of is add another bugle. Otherwise, you're just, you know. Anyway, if you do that, there's a thing called carbon monoxide that really gets formed up pretty good. And it, your blood likes carbon monoxide better than it does oxygen. So it will, it will bond with that. Now I'm not going to go into the chemical stuff, but once you get a lot of carbon monoxide in you, it takes a little while to get rid of it and get the oxygen back. So you're in danger. <clears throat> CO detectors, also a very good idea. They don't go up there. They're heavier than air, carbon monoxide is. So, bug butt here, you know, there'll be actually uh, instructions come with the thing and you can have it put on. Some fire stations will put them in for you, along with the fire uh, smoke detector. If you guys can't afford them, call the fire department. There's money being poured into that to buy them the fire smoke detectors and the CO detectors and stuff and put them in. 
we kind of like to be able to go help people, you know. We really hate having to go recover people. Okay, so let's let's move on <clears throat> about if a fire should occur. Don't panic, okay? If you want to panic, if you want to yell and scream and do all that, do it afterwards. You, know, you, you, got, you got a lot more time. It's not real, you know, just, you can freak out, but just freak out afterwards. <clears throat> if the fire is small, you can put it out. If it's big, we got hoses and stuff, guys. We, we train for that. We can do that. We like that. And a police officer friend of mine says, I bet every time the alarm goes off, you guys, hey, we get to ride on the truck. And I said, what's your point? <laughs> anyway, if it's a small fire, you can put it out. <clears throat> fire extinguishers are a great tool. They can actually put out fire. <clears throat> Who knew, right? Yeah. Almost every fire can be put out with a fire extinguisher if it's caught early. Or a couple of years ago, there was a guy uh, delivering fuel, gasoline to a store, and somebody drove through the deal and, and started the fire. He had the extinguisher out, put it out. When I was still on the fire department, they had that happen at a store, and it went a long time before we sent one of our crash trucks there and put it out. It was a little ways away. Luckily, it didn't destroy too much, but <clears throat> they work. They work. Now, let's talk about kitchen fires, ladies and guys. You got a pot on the stove, and it goes... You start, you know, because you got sidetracked and that oil got hot. This is a cookie sheet. It's bigger than the pot. Turn off the fire and slide that over the top. You've done two things. You started cooling the fire, the, the fuel, and you smothered it. It takes fuel, heat, oxygen, and a chemical chain reaction to have a fire. You guys have all heard about halon. That interrupts the chemical chain reaction. You can have fuel, heat, and oxygen all right there. And you can even breathe in an area with that. And but there'll be enough of it that it won't allow a fire. Okay. <clears throat> fire extinguishers work well if you know how to use them. They're not real difficult. I learned how to use one pretty quick. You know, have we got one hiding back here? I started to bring one. I guess we should have one right by every exit, but anyway, I was gonna show you guys, but the trick Here's a trick, you grab it by the handle, the bottom part's the handle, the top part you squeeze down. And it's got a little pin there that keeps the, the top part from being squeezed down. 
Colette. That's the P in pass. Pull a pen. You can throw it away because, you know. Or you can save it, whatever you think. Once you have used a dry chemical, dry powder extinguisher, it's got to be recharged because the powder gets in the, the seal and it'll bleed off the nitrogen. So, you know, even though you just used a little, that little bit, it, it's all, all the pressure is gone. Okay, so you pull the pin. Oh, that's a nice looking ring. Take the nozzle, aim it at the base of the flame. The flames are just the gases being used up. The actual fire is it the fuel, right at the deal of the fuel. And I would start from about here to Glenda, six to eight feet, because that stuff comes out really fast. <laughs> Anybody ever been around one when it was, you hear that? <laughs> There's a reason for that. It's under pressure. And if you're right up on it, it's going to go and blow everything. So then instead of having a little, little fire, you've got a whole lot of fire. <clears throat> it's not hard. I apologize, actually, for not getting with the fire department here and asking them if we could get a little training. but. God didn't really put it on my heart to go with this until I... Anyway, it's not hard. Then you sweep it side to side, okay, as you're getting closer. But you start actually just before the fire and go up on it. And it'll go out. It's wonderful. The other trick, say that's the door you came in. Can I borrow that? it's just the perfect color. Here's the fire. Oh, that man held fire in his hand. Okay, so that's the fire. I come in here, I get the fire extinguisher that was right by the door. Pull the pin, grab the nozzle, and start from way back here and move up on it. This is what is not a good idea. Oh, here's the fire extinguisher. Now where am I going to go? The door's that way. Got to protect yourself. I didn't know I was going to have to walk around all this much. But anyway. <laughs> if it's a pan fire never 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 what's the word never. move that pan first off that sucker's hot it got hot enough to light that fire if you get excited and you grab that you're gonna ungrab it a lot of times you grab it and you don't ungrab it until here. Stove was over there. Okay. Don't want to do that. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> keep moving on. Never grab it. Turn turn it off.
the lid doesn't have to fit. It can be a cookie sheet. It can be anything. Just cover it. You've always heard don't put water on an oil fire. You ever wonder why? I'll explain it. It's pretty simple. And it took me a while to figure it out. I'm, you know. Well, I'd never, you know, I'd never really considered oil floats on water. That means water's heavier than the oil, right? The water immediately goes to the bottom. And again, we're already talking about this is hot, okay? Water expands about 1,700 times when it gets above 212 degrees. Water never gets above 212 degrees, folks. Never. Steam gets to whatever temperature you want to get it to. Water never gets above 212. So when it's more than that, it immediately becomes steam and it expands 1,700 times. And how big is this pot? How big is 1,700 times a cup of water that you threw in there? It's not only going to come out of there, it's going to come out of there explosively. And it's, everything's on fire, including you. So, this, this is why I felt like maybe I ought to tell this. Don't panic. Make a judgment call, because I know you guys are all going to go get a fire extinguisher and just try it. You don't even have to have necessarily a fire if you're concerned about that. You can talk with your fire department and ask them for training. They'll more than likely be glad to. But it's pretty simple. <clears throat> now let's talk about something else. CPR saves lives. With the uh, defibrillators that they have, the automatic defibrillator save a lot more lives actually the only heart attack life I ever saved out of 34 years was with the defibrillator I went to see the lady at the hospital her son was really ever so glad that we were there um, but we still needed to do CPR on her we still needed to do compressions no back then we and and as a uh, first responder as an EMT we gave breaths they finally figured out a while back that most people I don't really want to put my mouth on theirs and I don't really they're not getting any air you can be doing something trying to give them air but it's not S compressions compression only CPR because you got to get the blood moving okay and you can do compressions to the to the beat of staying alive. Okay, that'll work. <clears throat> if you're a little faster, that's okay. You just want to be sure and, and give them compressions. <clears throat> Will it hurt them? Possibly. But you know, in order to be hurting you got to be alive we're talking about the only choice here if you don't give them CPR and their heart has stopped they are dead okay that's the definition no heartbeat it gets more 
But that's all you need to know. Okay? If you don't do something, they're done. Okay? If you crack their sternum, it's going to hurt. They're alive. Point that out to them if they complain. <clears throat> Seat belts. Here's, here's, they save lives. They work if you wear them. <laughs> we get cars. I, my job now is at Avis at the airport, driving cars down, get them cleaned, drive them back up, and let them rent them. And we get cars all the time with the seat belts across, already hooked up. There's nobody in it. They sit on it, you know. I don't know if the extra will help launch them through that windshield when they hit something or not. It's not going to make a lot of difference. Got to wear them right. Got to wear them. And I heard a, a flight attendant describe it as this. You want to wear your seat belt like Britney Spears wears her pants. Low on the hips and snug. Okay? So if you guys want to be like Britney, <laughs> right? They got to be low. They got to be snug. And they cannot be twisted. See, and they're easy to get twisted but if it's twisted that web is about this wide and it goes across here goes across your lap right and it will stop you it's really strong that way and it spreads that force over that area all along a lot of times you'll get a bruise if you're in a bad wreck from that but if it's twisted, it will slice through you because then it's only this, however wide that twist is. And it, it will, it can kill you. Just little things to know, you know, here's your options. <clears throat> Virtually every safety measure that is built into cars, and there are a lot of them anymore, is dependent upon use of the seatbelt. If you don't have the seatbelt on and you're sliding over this way, the airbag goes off, it's not gonna, it's not gonna meet you, okay? If the seatbelt hits you, it's, it's gonna hurt, but it hurts less than, okay? You might consider insurance fire insurance I have it I have fire extinguishers okay so <clears throat> now where am I okay another thing ones might some folks might consider is lifestyle King Solomon said, if you pay attention to your parents, you know, you have a better life, right? Honor your father and your mother. This is the first one that has a promise. Because if you do that, your life will probably go longer. <clears throat> That's why most of you guys try to instill the idea of living safely, not playing in the street. The myriad of things you tell your children not to do, it's because you love them, right? You kind of want them to grow up and have a wonderful life and have grandchildren for you. You know, 
God is our Father, isn't He? Think He loves us? I think He really wants us to do right. And He's tried, 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 and I have failed. And I'm thinking a lot of us probably have. <clears throat> I hear a lot of messages lately about I call them revival turning back to God come back to God <clears throat> there is one more fire that I want to talk about it's the largest fire ever if you'll turn to Joel if you want to chapter 2 verse 1 It won't come up on this if it's turned the other way. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, it is at hand. Now, thank goodness. It has not yet made it. But it will. Okay? I don't necessarily want it to make it right now. I've got a five-year-old granddaughter in Tokyo. I want her to have a good life. But I want her to have a good life. Okay? I don't want her to have to worry about being, you know, people breaking into their house and robbing them. All the fun stuff we hear about lately. But God warned us about that, didn't he? If we'll pay attention to him, things will go well. Anyway, moving on. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. Let me tell you something, folks. I've been in a fire where I could see my face mask. That's it. It's all gray. We're in a house, and I feel long, and I feel a light switch, and I turn it on. And there's a little bit of lightness in the dark, right above my head. Just a little. <clears throat> a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong. When God picks somebody to do the punishing, he picked somebody that's able to do the punishing. Okay. When they came and they grabbed Daniel and they took them away. Those people weren't ready to go on a field trip. They wanted to stay right where they are. They fought. God brings a tool that will work. A people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses. I can move over to this one. 
And like swift steeds, so they run. With the noise like chariots over mountaintops, they leap. Have you guys watched any of the, the news stuff on these fires, the wildland fires and stuff? Uh, that's what it does. It leaps. It goes. There's fire tornadoes that people are just now realizing. I knew about them a long time ago. But people, it can get big enough that it causes a vortex. Duh. That's why they, uh, the, during World War II, that was a, a uh, method to destroy cities, get a big enough fire going that it starts a firestorm. They don't have to do anything else. It'll just eat everything up. Like the noise, with the noise like chariots over mountaintops, they leap. Like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them, the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained in of color. Now, this is a horrible, this is not a usual feast message, folks, but God's been really laying it on my heart. We need to decide to get with him. He loves us. You tell your children one time to not do something, and then if they get it, they get it. No, you tell them over and over and then. <clears throat> anyway, they run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into houses. They enter the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Now, therefore, says the Lord, here we go, Daddy's talking. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Again, we're at the feast. We're enjoying the after party of this. But in order for the great day of the Lord, the real, you know, what we're planning for, this is going to happen first. I don't want it to happen, but it's going to. But if we can put it off and enjoy a wonderful life by serving God, I'm with it. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. You guys remember, you read where King David was given a choice what kind of punishment was going to be done. Have somebody come attack you for a year, you know. And one of the choices was to have God deal with it. And he chose that one. And why? Because he said he knew as soon as God saw what the punishment was doing to people, he would repent of it in his heart and he would stop. And he did. Verse 14, who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Now, 
every time I read this, and I don't mean to be, I'm not making fun, but I hear, you know, the, the little old Jewish fellow, who knows if he'll turn and relent, you know, leave a blessing, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God, right? Who knows? God knows. He says, if you will, I will. So let's break it down just a little bit. Joel's bringing a message from God, right? Joel isn't the author of this message. Joel is the messenger. God is the author. I want to break it down for you, as Jack Nicholson would say. I am convinced that God is warning us now, in this present time, that the day of the Lord is coming. He told that to the folks that uh, Jonah went to. He tells us that all the inhabitants of the land need to tremble. Need to tremble. You need to get an idea that this is bad. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God loves humanity and does not want to destroy us. So he warns us because his judgment will come. He doesn't. You, who enjoyed spanking her kid? I didn't think so. Sometimes you got to. You know? Sometimes you have to let them know that this is not tolerated, period, at all. You do this and swift retribution will happen. And if you do it again, it'll happen again. So maybe you don't want to do it anymore. <clears throat> but it's up to us listen, to listen. Okay? It's up to us to hear. It's up to us to pray. It's up to us to seek and turn. Because it is going to happen. I've read the end of the book. It's going to happen, and it's going to be terrible. God knows this more than anybody. He has seen it. God knows what he can do. <clears throat> so he tells us what to look out for and what to do. Yesterday, David Hope was telling about a guy that I met at Walmart, conversation I had. And... Uh, and it was, was right, really was, right after California had, had approved same-sex marriage. And he says, I told him that I was a firefighter at the airport. He was in a captain's uniform, a fire, uh, airplane captain. And, you know, he says, well, have you seen those fires in California? They're all over the place. I think somebody's setting those. I said, yeah, God. The God I worship doesn't kill people. I missed my chance. I should have said, you need to read the book. <laughs> but you know, it also has occurred to me that maybe the God he worships doesn't. Because there's folks out there worshiping tree stumps, you know, carved up tree stumps. <clears throat> So maybe he was telling the truth. But somebody, you know, God was, I'm, I'm pretty sure, because it was. It was burning everywhere. Still kind of is. But he told us that there's a way, okay? Second Chronicles 7, starting at 13. 
When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if I do that, if there's no rain, guess what? It's happening. Pestilence among the people. I think that's another way of saying diseases, like, you know, war on cancer. We have lots of things bothering us. Where do they come from? God's trying to get our attention. If my people, verse 14, favorite, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Like Gary was saying, you've got to humble yourself to pray. And seek my face, God's face. Seek him. Focus on him. Turn from their wicked ways. And we've got, I'm not even going to start. Then I will hear from heaven. Okay. He will hear if we're praying a prayer of repentance. If we're seeking his face. Because if we're already out there away from him, he's not hearing. We've got to come back to him. I'm talking to me. Okay. <clears throat> then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We could use that. And he says in 15, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Now he was speaking about the temple, but he, this place, because wherever two or more, right? I can't tell you how many are here right now, but I know it's more than two. So here's the plan. You know, it's kind of like having the fire extinguisher ready, kind of like having a fire escape plan I didn't cover that but here's a plan gotta have a plan if you don't have a plan that you have figured in your mind your mind cannot access it and it will just lock up you have to have something up here for it to go to so here's a plan truly repenting and mourning the fact that we have done so wickedly Note verse 13 said, So rend your heart and not your garments. He wanted it to be real when we turn back to him. Not to look like we're really repentant, but to be really repentant. It needs to be honest and heartfelt. If we, we all need to seek the Lord God as if our very lives depend on it, because they do. Because if we don't humble ourselves and pray and repent, turning from our sins of wickedness and seeking his face, he will not hear from on high. He will not turn his face toward us. And he will not forgive our sins or heal our lands. That's what happened that brought about the destruction of Israel. They did not. The next time, it's not going to be Israel. It's not going to be Jerusalem. It's going to be the world. 